0: Support for Criminal comes from 1Password. If you're someone who's ever reused an old password, or you just hate creating and keeping track of new ones, then it might be time to try a password manager. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. All you have to do is remember one strong account password that protects everything else. Right now, our listeners get a free two-week trial for you and your family at onepasswordcom criminal. That's the number one password.com slash criminal for two free weeks. One slash criminal.
1: Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira,
0: content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture,
1: pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. This episode may not be suitable for everyone. Please use discretion. Alma was new to Memphis. She was a single mother. She had two small children, but one was particularly young. She was 10 months old, very pretty child, blonde hair, green eyes. And Alma took her for a walk. When she got back from the walk, there was a knock on her door. And the person knocking was Georgia Tan. And Georgia Tan said, I'm a social worker, and I noticed that your little baby is sick. And Alma said, well, she has a cold. And Georgia Tan said, I know a lot about children. So she went over and she examined the baby. And she kept shaking her head and she said, She's sick. She needs to see a doctor." Alma
0: Sipple told Georgia Tan that she didn't have any money to take her baby to the doctor, especially for a little cold. This was 1946. We're hearing the story from Barbara Raymond. Georgia Tan said it was more serious than a cold, but told Alma Sipple not to worry. She explained that she had connections, She worked with the Tennessee Children's Home Society and could get the baby seen at the hospital for free. Alma Sippel agreed that the two of them could take the baby to the hospital to be checked out by a doctor. But Georgia Tan said that Alma couldn't come. They'd need to pretend that the baby was an orphan
1: in order to get the free care. So, reluctantly... Alma let Georgia Tan walk off with her 10-month-old baby. A day later, Alma snuck into the hospital. She looked in the room where Georgia Tan's wards were. She saw her baby bouncing in her bed, looking extremely healthy. She asked the nurse if she could hold her baby, and the nurse replied, you don't have a baby in there. And the next day, she got a call from Georgia Tan, and she said, I'm so sorry, but your baby died. And Alma started screaming, and she said, I know she's not dead, she only had a cold, and she went to Georgia Tan's orphanage, but she was not allowed in. A big man kept her out. She ran to the police station, and no one would listen to her. She haunted graveyards, she tried to find death certificates, nothing. Now, Alma spent 45 years looking For her child, Barbara Raymond interviewed Alma Sippel in 1990. I realized there was a much bigger story behind Alma because Alma was not the only person who had lost a child to Georgia Tan. As
0: one of Georgia Tan's colleagues once said, she wanted to get her hands on every child she could. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. Georgia Tan was born in Philadelphia, Mississippi in 1891. Her family was wealthy. Her father, George Tan, was a lawyer
1: and then became a judge. And he did something unusual for the time. He let her read law. That had to have been extremely tantalizing. That is the way people became lawyers in those days. They read law with a lawyer. And she was the first woman in Mississippi to pass the Mississippi bar exam. But, she told a reporter in the 1940s, her father wouldn't let her practice law because it wasn't the usual thing for a woman. I don't know why she did not defy him, because she never listened to anyone else in her life. But she couldn't be a lawyer in her mind.
0: After passing the bar exam, Georgia Tan took a job as a social
1: worker. The usual thing would be for a woman of Georgia's status, since her father was a judge, that Georgia would marry and have children and that she would the power she would have would be involved with the marriage and with the raising of children. And as far as I could tell Georgia never wanted to get married and she never wanted to bear children so that marked her as different and a lot of the people who would describe Georgia Tan to me would say things like well I never knew how to take her she reminded me of a man that kind of thing and she was not obviously the typical southern debutante type. She never attended the usual parties that would have been given. Instead, she wore her long black skirts and her white shirt, and she would visit the local poor.
0: When she was 15 years old, Georgia Tan's father had a case in which two siblings had been orphaned. He didn't know what to do with them. Georgia took it upon herself to go around and talk with the wealthiest people in the community and try to convince a family to adopt
1: them. And she did. Georgia felt that the world was divided into two very different types. Poor people were incapable of proper parenting. Other people, people of middle or upper class, were people of the higher type, And the children, in George's mind, deserved better than being raised in poverty. In the beginning of the 20th century,
0: social workers tried very hard to keep parents and children together, providing financial assistance to poor families to keep children from being sent to orphanages, sometimes called homes for friendless children. Georgia Tan did not try to keep families together. She rearranged them, taking babies from poor families and giving them to rich
1: ones. She stole a child off of a a porch. Um, There was a woman named Rose Harvey, and she was very poor and sleeping in her house. Her young child was playing on the back porch. Georgia Tan lured him into her car with the biggest candy cane he had ever seen and had him adopted by a local family. Later, she took his younger brother the same way, and the child was adopted into that same family. Now, Rose, the mother, was incensed, and she was very upset, obviously. She challenged this in court. She did not win. And most likely, George's father had influence over the decision. And, But I was told by people in Hickory that George Tan was, quote-unquote, run out of town because of that. She made her way to Memphis,
0: where she became the director of the Tennessee Children's Home Society. The city was still recovering from a deadly yellow fever outbreak. More than half the city's population fled. Of the 19,000 people who stayed, 17,000 got sick. More than 5,000 died. The
1: city went bankrupt. A man named Edward Hull Crump, who was from Mississippi and whose own father had died in the Yellow Fever plague, came to Memphis, and he worked his way up to being mayor and essentially controlled the town. People were afraid of him.
0: And how did this help Georgia Tan? What what was it about the new makeup of Memphis
1: that was beneficial for her in her attempt to get children? Georgia was able to forge a relationship with Boss Crump. And once she had his protection, she was really untouchable. How did she find her victims, her children? So she took children who in the beginning were kind of already perhaps relinquished and adopted them out. But in those days, children in orphanages were quite frequently not orphans. People would put their children in an orphanage for what they thought would be a short period of time while they got on their own feet financially or recovered from an illness, and so she took some of them. But as her business started booming, she couldn't satisfy the demand simply through children who were already relinquished or in orphanages.
0: And that's when Barbara Raymond says... She just started stealing them.
1: So she, because she had so much clout in Memphis, she was able to take children right from delivery rooms. I I spoke with a doctor in the 1990s, who by then was in his 90s, and he told me about when he was an intern at a Memphis hospital witnessing things like this women dressed up like nurses who worked for Georgia Tan, standing outside the door of a delivery room. And the minute they heard a baby cry, they would go in and take the baby. A young mother would be told, Oh, honey, I'm so sorry, but your baby was born dead. And the mother would say, But I heard a baby cry. And the nurse, or the pretend nurse, would say, oh, no, no, that was another baby. And the mother would say, I want to see my baby. And they'd say, the state put the baby in the ground, as if the baby had already been buried. And they, they got nowhere, these women. There were a lot of habeas corpus suits, People said, Georgia Tan stole my child. Not one was resolved in favor of the father or mother who had lost a child, and that was because Boss Crump had control of the town, and Georgia Tan had an in with Boss Crump. Georgia Tan was only interested in white children.
0: She paid people to keep their eyes open for blonde hair and blue eyes. One of her best allies was a juvenile court judge named Camille Kelly.
1: If you were to be going through a divorce, or if you were very poor and you were having trouble, you might be told to appear before a juvenile court judge Kelly. And she would, in the course of talking to you, write down the names and ages of your children. And Georgia would be given this information. And a few days later, you might get a knock on your, on your door. She supplied Georgia Tan with 20% of the children she placed.
0: One of the most complicated parts of Georgia Tan's story was that she was able to place children with new families at a time in the United States when adoption wasn't popular. Kids in orphanages usually stayed there. Other children were sent to live with so-called baby farmers.
1: Baby farmers were usually uneducated, middle-aged women who took children in and were supposed to care for them. Some of them accepted or wanted an upfront fee for caring for these children. And once some of them had the money they felt no incentive to keep the children alive. So there were articles in the New York Times of baby farmers who killed children with scalding water by dashing their heads against walls. It was absolutely unbelievable to me to read this. Some baby farmers even took out life insurance policies on the children, and then killed them to collect the money. There was an editorial in the New York Times in the mid-1920s that, dec- that said that life insurance for children should be declared invalid because it was a temptation to inhuman crimes. Adoption had not been popular, in part, because of the
0: thought that orphans came from unmarried women and a pregnant unmarried woman suffered from moral abnormalities. A 1918 report titled The Unmarried Mother, A Study of 500 Cases, describes them as repulsive, misshapen, depraved. People worried that the children would inherit their mother's weak moral character.
1: So, these children were considered tainted goods, and one interesting thing I found was, of course, there were always women who couldn't bear children, who wanted children. Even in those days when nobody wanted to adopt children, there were women who did want to adopt children, but they could not get their husbands to sign on to this. So, faked pregnancies. One woman pretended to have borne 11 children, and somehow the fathers believed this. What they would do is they would pretend to be pregnant, and then they would wait until maybe the husband was out of town or away somewhere, and they would pretend that they had collapsed in front of, coincidentally, a baby farmer's house, and they would be taken in. And then the father would be called, and he would find his wife in bed with a newborn baby, which supposedly she had given just given birth to. So I think Georgia saw in her mind all these lovely gorgeous, stereotypically blonde, blue-eyed, et cetera, children on baby farms, many of whom were dying, and also the death rates in orphanages in those days, on the whole, for the first year of life, were 50%, but I found one orphanage where, in one year, 100% of those children died. So she found all these children just kind of vegetating or dying, And then on the other hand, there were people who wanted children. So tell me how Georgia Tan changed that idea of children being tainted. What did she say? She said that they were not children of sin. They were not genetically flawed. They were blank slates. They were born untainted. And if you surround them with beauty and culture— They will become anything you want them to be. But she didn't believe that, so she went into the records and changed changed them so that people thought that they were adopting, say, a child whose father was a composer, whose mother was a, a debutante. And she also started placing children with very prominent people so that locally, at least, adopting more or less became the thing to do.
0: Georgia Tan bragged that she had a rigorous selection process that matched the perfect child with the perfect home. But she wanted her customers to be happy, so sometimes she'd send three children to the same family and let them have a one-year trial to decide which, if any, they'd like to keep. In correspondence with her attorney, children were referred to as merchandise, quote, in hand and in stock. She marketed children as luxury items, most notably by creating hundreds of actual advertisements for them. According to Georgia Tan, a baby was the perfect Christmas present. Her ads featured photographs of children dressed up, with captions like, Living dolls for you, and George wants to play catch, but he needs a daddy to complete the team. Then, the ad said, put your orders in early. to 1Password for their support. It can be annoying to create so many new, unique passwords with arbitrary numbers, symbols and letters every time we need one. And then once we've created one that works, we have to try to keep track of it and not reuse it anywhere else. And not choose anything that's easy to guess or remember. 1Password can take care of all of that for you. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. It uses industry-leading security to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. With 1Password, you just need to remember one strong account password that protects everything else. It's a great way to keep things organized and private, so you'll no longer need to keep tabs on a bunch of long, convoluted passwords or reuse the same one ever again. Join the millions of users and over 100,000 businesses who trust 1Password's award-winning password manager. Right now, our listeners get a free two week trial for you and your family at onepassword.com slash criminal. That's the number one password.com slash criminal for two free weeks. Onepassword.com slash criminal. Support for criminal comes from factor. After a long day at work, sometimes the most convenient dinner option is ordering takeout. But if you make a habit of it, it can get pricey. Do you think Georgia had reasons to do what she
1: did beyond making money? She didn't want, I think, to bear children, but I think she must have wanted in some vicarious way to be involved in the birthing process because I was told of a man who strangely was told to pick up his adopted daughter, baby, at Georgia Tan's residence, which is not the usual way she distributed her children. And he, he went to her house at night, and instead of a maid answering the door, Georgia Tan answered the door. Now, Georgia Tan usually wore very tailored clothes, but she was wearing like this sort of negligee. It was frilly, and he was taken aback. And she led him upstairs and the bed, the bed covering was white and there was a little mound in the corner and she folded back the cover and there was a baby girl. And Georgia Tan said, this baby is perfect in every way. Now, this man who became the child's adoptive father felt that Georgia Tan was kind of pretending that she had given birth to that child. Celebrities all
0: over the country asked Georgia Tan to find them a child Joan Crawford, June Allison, and Dick Powell, Pearl Buck. Meanwhile, birth parents were desperately searching for their children, begging the police and judges to help them. One man searched for his little sister for 37 years, writing desperate letters to J. Edgar Hoover. Finally, in 1979, he got a letter from an employee of the Department of Vital Statistics that said, I could lose my job by giving you this information. Your sister was adopted by a Hollywood couple. By 1935, Georgia Tan had placed children in 48 states, along with Mexico, Panama, Canada, and England. Sending kids to wealthy families outside of the state of
1: Tennessee let Georgia Tan increase her fees by a lot. She made her money by overcharging. She was supposedly charging travel fees and hotel fees. But she was charging maybe five, six adoptive families $750. So, of course, the plane fare did not cost that much and neither did the hotel room. I heard of people who paid $5,000 for a child. I think she, she asked what she thought she could get. Now, if she had operated legally, the fee would have been $15. So over time you can see that she amassed an awful lot of money. She also extorted money from people who had already adopted children. Sometimes a year or two after the child had been placed, particularly if the child had been placed somewhere in her area, she would ask for $1,000. And they'd say, well, you know, we don't have it. We're taking good care of little Susie and all this. And she, she would say that if she didn't get the money, she would take the baby back. George's own
0: lifestyle got fancier. She bought another home back in Hickory, Mississippi, with servants' quarters, imported palm trees, fountains, and a room-sized refrigerator. She took vacations in Cuba. There were big cars, furs. It was important to her business that she embody a certain kind of wealth, and this was reflected in her
1: orphanage on Poplar Avenue in Memphis. So it... It no longer exists, but it had polished, beautiful floors. It had a a lovely reception room. It had a room where Georgia Tan would meet with prospective adoptive parents. It had uh, nurseries upstairs. Uh, For photo ops, there would be uh, one baby per crib. But in reality... There were often four or five babies in a crib.
0: By the mid-40s, Memphis doctors started to speak out, going on record about signs of physical abuse and how they'd warned Georgia Tan not to remove infants from the hospital's care. In
1: 1945, in one three-month period, a doctor, a pediatrician named Dr. Clyde Croswell, later said that 40 to 50 of her babies died in that one three-month period. And they died of, uh, he called it infant dysentery, basically baby uh, diarrhea. But babies are, they weigh so little that they can dehydrate very quickly. And if they're not rehydrated, say in a hospital or something, they die. Now, Georgia Tan was a very proud woman. And I was told by another doctor who worked volunteered his services for her because he was desperately hoping to keep some of these kids alive, she felt she knew better than the doctors. He said, one time I prescribed an antibiotic for a baby, and she told the nurse not to give it to the baby, but to chart it as if she, the child had been given the antibiotic. So he said she would not take, she would not take the children to the hospital, and, and they would die. Tennessee lawmakers attempted to pass
0: legislation requiring children's boarding homes to be inspected and licensed, but Georgia Tan somehow got an exemption from compliance. Her best political tool was babies themselves. She'd give them as gifts to lawmakers. She went relatively unchecked for decades. It wasn't as if the birth parents weren't speaking out against Georgia Tan, but it was like it didn't matter.
1: They were always speaking out. And anybody who lived in Memphis and read the newspaper, and in those days, everybody read the newspapers. Because, you know, they didn't have television, they weren't online. They read the papers. I mean, one woman lost five children to Georgia Tan. Another w- woman lost three children to Georgia Tan. A German immigrant father lost his daughter to Georgia Tan. They, it would take them a long time. They would finally, because no nobody wanted to touch their cases, but they would finally find someone who would take their case. They never won. Barbara Raymond
0: says she read case after case like this. But one woman, Grace Gribble, has always stuck out. She was a widow with five children. One day, a woman who worked for Georgia Tan showed up at her house with papers to sign about free medical care. Grace signed them.
1: And workers started carrying off the three youngest children. And as they carried them off, one who was carrying off a little boy named Kirby, he was four years old, he had red hair, blue eyes, said, we have an order for a child of this age and type. Now, Grace ran to the courthouse and demanded to see her children, demanded her children back, and Georgia Tan said, you should thank me, and Grace kept Calling for her children and crying for her children. And Georgia Tan just said, Go home and have some more. In September of 1950,
0: Tennessee Governor Gordon Browning announced an investigation into Georgia Tan's operations with the Children's Home Society. Three days later, Georgia Tan died of cancer at age 59. Her death was reported alongside allegations that she ran a million-dollar baby black market. Governor Browning said he would sponsor whatever legislation was needed to, quote, prevent the sale of children. As his investigation progressed, adoptive parents had to decide whether they wanted to know if their children had been stolen by Georgia Tan. Many chose not to. Barbara Raymond says that even as the details of Georgia Tan's practices came out, many still felt that the children were lucky to have been
1: delivered into wealth. So the whole thing was just sort of allowed to fade away. And after Georgia Tan died, then, finally, her home was closed. You say that Georgia Tan invented modern American adoption. How? She popularized it. And I guess an argument could be made that by making adoption acceptable, in some ways, she helped children. And I believe in some ways she might have, if a child truly had nowhere to go. I imagine that's better than being raised in an orphanage. The problem was that many, many more adoptions were arranged than should ever have been arranged. Um, my own daughter is adopted, not through Georgia Tan, And my, my daughter should not have been adopted. I love her. She is amazing. I cannot imagine my life without her. But when we found her birth family, they're wonderful people. And they had been told, you know, you're not married, you're young, you're going to have to relinquish this child. And the reason why they were told that was instigated by Georgia Tan. After Georgia made adoption popular, potential grandparents sawn out, you know? No one now will have to know that my child is pregnant. I will send her off to Aunt Bertha's in California. At least that would be the story. But in reality, the young pregnant woman would go to a home for unwed mothers and relinquish the baby for adoption. And that was that. So, Going back to my own daughter's adoption, I kind of feel guilty for profiting from the pain of another woman. On the other hand, if I had not adopted my daughter, who had been relinquished, someone else would have. But my daughter could easily. Her parents got married quickly. They raised three other boys. They're good people, they could have raised her, and she was their child.
0: With Barbara Raymond's help, her daughter now knows her birth parents and her younger three brothers. She spent time with her four grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins. As for Alma Sippel, the woman from the beginning of the story... It took more than 45 years for her to find her daughter. With the help of a Memphis volunteer agency called Tennessee Right to Know, she eventually got her daughter's new name and address. She sent flowers. Her daughter called. They got to know each other. Alma Sipple said, I feel whole. Barbara Raymond spent 10 years researching Georgia Tan tracking down victims and interviewing them. She was able to document 5,000 children placed by Georgia Tan. She suspects the number is closer to 6,000. Raymond's book about Georgia Tan is called The Baby Thief. We've got a link in the show notes. Criminal is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Audio mix by Rob Byers. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of Criminal. You can see them at thisiscriminal.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Criminal Show. Criminal is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a collection of the best podcasts around. And if you don't know, Radiotopia has a very special feed called Showcase, where we feature original podcast series of all stripes from emerging and leading producers around the world. Right now on Showcase, there's an incredible four-part series called Space Bridge, which tells a largely forgotten story from nearly 40 years ago about technology, citizen diplomats, and the Cold War.
1: Do you deserve this? This fantastic experience? Have you earned this in some way? Are you separated out to be touched by God to have some special experience? here that other men cannot have? And you know the answer to that is no. You know very well at that moment and it comes through to you so powerfully that you're the sensing element
0: for man. And that's a humbling feeling. Go listen. I'm Phoebe Judge, this is Criminal.
1: Utopia.